Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast with your hosts, Tim and Carter. What's trending in Richards? Carter Wilcoxon, founder of CSI Financial Group here with my co-host and former wealth advisor, Tim James, founder of chemicalfreebody.com and your new health advisor. This is the show where we reveal the connection between physical and financial abundance. Hey, welcome back in Richards, Carter Wilcoxon coming to you from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I am um, out here wonder, uh, you know, loving the weather. It is wintertime pretty much everywhere else, pretty much where my co-host is and our, our guest today is, uh, you know, still winter. But obviously Phoenix, Arizona, it is season out here. The Waste Management Phoenix Open just got done last week. The Super Bowl got done last week. It's been a madhouse around here for, you know, the last probably three weeks because of that. But um, as is normal, I am uh, joined by my phenomenal Mr. Chemical Free Body himself co-host, Tim James. Timmy, how are you, buddy? Hey, doing good, my friend. Doing good. We It's snowing right now, actually. Wow. S- snow's coming down. Oh, my goodness. That's great. You know what's interesting is up in the higher elevations, though, here last week, it snowed. I mean, Flagstaff, which is only two hours door to door. It's crazy to think that Phoenix can be 110 degrees and you could drive two hours north, right? Point to point. And it's 75 in the summertime here. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty crazy. But in the wintertime, when it's like 75 degrees here, uh, sometimes it, get, it dips down a little bit in those higher elevations. We get some accumulation. We get a little bit of snow up there. Well, I mean, I say a little. It's ski weather up there. Seven well, you guys definitely need the water. I know the un, the aquifers underneath the Midwest are drying up right now. So, yeah, it's kind of spooky what the what that means. Like if you don't have water. How are you going to grow a crop? How are you going to drink water? Yeah. yeah it's a, it's seeing, are you guys having trouble with water over there? Because I know like Vegas has have having trouble. The water there is terrible. Yeah. Well, it's um, we've definitely been, you know, getting lower on um, on those water line or food uh, flood lines. Right. Or whatever, whatever they are, the, the aqueducts and stuff. But Aquifers. Yeah. Aquifers. Yeah. But um you know, it, it is what it is. Obviously, we live in the desert. You know, it's called the desert for a reason in Phoenix. So, um, but we have been getting quite a bit of rain last year and this year. So, that you know, that uh, that part's kind of nice. But You can just identify as a camel, a camel and you're cool. Yeah, there you go. We're good to go. Good to go. All you have to do, right? I'm a camel. Yeah. Um, so, hey, uh, Enrichers, we are very excited for you to be here with us again today. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast. We are joined today uh, by Ryan Savage, CFP uh, extraordinaire. And uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate coming on. Ryan, I know your you, your URL is Savage and Associates because you're a certified financial planner. It sounds cool. But I think you should get the, doc, the URL savagereturns.com. <laughs> that's a great idea I'll th- I'll th- <laughs> that'd be really fun team over here yeah i like that <laughs> that's perfect and uh so so speaking of the uh of the midwest and of the um of the winter time you're in ohio is that correct that's right yep so i we're headquartered out here in Maumee, ohio um suburb of toledo i'm not not too sure how, how familiar you guys are with northwest ohio uh, but toledo is kind of the larger city in the area and 
we were headquartered in Toledo for a number of years and uh, opened our mommy office as we offer our old space um, about four years ago. Um, so right off of I-475, great location, um, beautiful venue out here in Maumee. Nice. Um, well, hey, thank you uh, again for joining us. We really do appreciate it. And let's go ahead and just jump on into it. You know, obviously, I've gotten a chance to, to meet you a couple times, like pre-show and, and just whenever you were, you know, researching and, just, you know, through our discovery calls on, uh, you know, maybe being a guest on the show today. And you've got quite the family lineage in the financial services arena. So, but I do want to hear, and the enrichers want to hear more about, you know, what was it that got you really started? Like who was the most influential person maybe in your family that took you down that path of getting into the financial services arena? Carter, that's a great question. Before I dive into that, I'm just going to run through a quick disclosure before we dive into all the fun stuff. So Ah, I know I remember those disclosures. (laughs) Yep. Go so, ahead and disclose in, in CYA. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., uh, member FINRA, SIPC. Um, Royal Alliance is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance. So we knocked that out. But uh Carter, great question. Uh, a little bit of a history of how I kind of got interested in, in getting into wealth management. Um, so, so dating back, really, if we want to go through the history of Savage here briefly, um, way back in 1957, uh, my, my grandpa, John F. Savage, um, you know, had the brilliant idea. He was a teacher at the time, and he decided to make a career change um, and, and really open his own firm. Um, so, so my, uh, my grandpa started the firm way back then, just a tiny little office in Toledo, uh, with no secretary. Um, he actually lived above the office, um, him and my grandma. So they were, they truly were a, a mom and pop store at that time. Um, just getting off the ground there. Um, and, and back then, you know, it was centered around risk management. So the office was through Columbus life. Um, but that was really the origin story of Savage. Um, you know, fast forward today, obviously a lot has happened since then. Um, but, but my dad actually kind of carried on and, and entered into the business. Um, I think he's been an advisor now for um, over 24 years at this point. Um, so he really inspired me. Um, I, I just saw the impact my grandpa had in the community with the business, um, the impact he was made, able to have with his clients. Um, that inspired my dad to get in the business. And you know what? I just wanted to be part of the team and, and keep this keep this thing going. Um, so that's really the origin story of, of how I really got interested in advising in the first place. Wow. So, um, so that's what cool. was it like, just out of curiosity, what was it like, like growing up then in, in your household? Like, was it always feels like it was always business and you just got used to it all the time or was there some uh, other things involved? You know, that's a great question. And, and I think back to kind of those early days, uh, growing up in Toledo with with my older brother and I, with with my dad, um, he was always a very hard worker and instilled that work ethic in us. So, of course, we always got to see him, you know, anytime we had a long car drive somewhere, he's always filling that up with dictations from meetings or or client calls. Right. Um, but but, yeah, no, I mean, being around that growing up, it really became second nature, kind of the how, how the how the business works. Um, so that was definitely a huge inspiration to me um, just to see, you know, my dad really starting out on his own and, 
and, and, and growing his client base and the relationships he was able to forge with those clients throughout the years um, has just been spectacular. So growing up around that, um, you know, and, and seeing his passion um, day in and day out for the work he did, um, it just really rubbed off on me. Um, you know, I didn't really understand at that point in time that, you know, the entirety of what he did, but I, I could see that he really enjoyed the work and he enjoyed the impact he made with his clients. So that, that really planted the seed early on that I, I had an interest in, hey, learning a little bit more about, you know, what, is, what does it mean to be a financial advisor, you know, and, and just everything that goes into that. So I was always inspired um, just growing up, seeing that in action through my father. How old were you, dude, when you um, did your first investment? You had your first, oh, yeah, your first investment. Man, that's a great question. Um, it, it's really hard to it's really hard to to say. I know, growing up, we used to kind of always do these, um, you know, these these types of things in the real world, um, where we we uh, my dad would try to teach us the value of investing. Right? Um, he's a big proponent of that, um, especially starting that at a young age. So we probably opened bank accounts. Um, probably much earlier, much sooner on um, than most kids would do. Um, but my dad was always trying to teach us the value of money, the value of investing. You know, we, we would, you know, a great story I like to tell is um, we used to kind of go to this place in, in Toledo. It's called Major Magics, okay? Um, kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese type of venue. And at the end of every session, you know, we'd have our tickets racked up. And my dad would take us to the front and say, all right, you could choose from one of these prizes or you could roll over these tickets um, to the next time that we come back. And, and that kind of instilled in us really early on the value of saving um, and, and just seeing things build over time. So that's kind of what I like to think back on as far as an early investment lesson, um, it, you know, that he instilled in us very early on. Yeah. Awesome. That, yeah, that is, that is awesome. So, well, obviously you're, um, and Richards, if you guys are just listening, if you, you can check this out on YouTube, but um, you, you're obviously a young guy. I am curious. Yeah. When did you decide to, I know you went to college and let, let's talk a little bit about college, but did yeah. you go straight from college to right into working at Savage and Associates then? Yes, I did. Yep. So I, I figured out really at my junior year, so I, I was, I, I was a Michigan state um, university graduate. So I spent four years up in East Lansing, which started in 2015, culminated in the spring of 19. Um, so I, you know, really entered Michigan state with open mind in terms of you know, what I wanted to do at that time. I know I wanted to go into the business school there um, and, and really, you know, through my coursework, through my conversations with my classmates and my professors really guide me in the direction I wanted to go. Um, I think one of the amazing things, you know, working, coming and working at Savage now is there's never really a push for me to take that direction. Um, it was more so just trying to find my way, my way there, you know, with, and, and really my passion um, through my coursework at Michigan State. So I, I knew by the time I was entering my senior year that I was going to come join Savage. Um, and, and actually conveniently at that time, a wealth management pro program opened up at Michigan State, which allowed me to take care of that CFP curriculum my senior year, um, which was just, I thought was, you know, if anything, just a, a great coincidence at that time and a great opportunity for me. And it, and it really reaffirmed that that's the direction I should be taking. So I, I had a pretty good idea. Um, and once I became an upperclassman at MSU that I was going to come into the, to the, you could call it the family business, but really this place has expanded far beyond that at this point. Wow. So, um, so I'm curious, 
you're from Ohio, and obviously the Ohio State University is very prominent in that state. Here it comes. Like, you can't go anywhere without that. But somehow, <laughs> you decide to go to Michigan State. I'm curious, what was it that led you to go to Michigan State from Ohio? Man, great question, and, and one I get all the time, right? As a kid, you know, there would always be – everyone would be talking about the big game at school. Toledo is really a battleground state or a battleground city when it comes to that Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. So everyone would be decked out in their Wolverine or Buckeye gear, and there would be me, the you know, the one kid in class that would be rocking a, a Spartan jersey. So I, the, the reason that I decided to go to Michigan State – um, and really what instilled that fandom in me and that interest early on was my, uh, my mother grew up in East Lansing and my, and her dad. So my grandpa on my mom's side, um, who, you know, did not start Savage, that was my dad's side, um, was an attorney at Michigan state, um, for a number of years. So very early on, I, I, I became a fan, became drawn to, uh, to the university through, through athletics. And that really stayed with me and, and, and having a great business school there, the wealth management program. Uh, just made that even more of a of a, of a you know a path that I wanted to take going there. So that's that's really the origin story of why I'm a why I'm a Spartan. Gotcha. So so obviously you're fairly close with your mother too. If she had that type of influence on you. Oh, absolutely. Yep. She's the rock. She's the rock of our family growing up. Um, you know, she she really. So she was an educator by trade. Um, so early on, she was a teacher. Um, and, and then worked as a, as a principal in administration for a number of years. So she, I get all my sparks from her. You know, that's what I, t- I like to joke with my dad sometimes. She's, she's the most brilliant person I've ever met. Um, just just uh, a rock in my life. So um, and, and, and really my, my parents, you know, they, they, they showed us early on uh, the value of hard work, you know, putting in the time. Um, so I, I like to think both of them had made a tremendous impact um, on, on my life. And ultimately the, the career I decided to go into as well, even though my dad was in the business, um, he wasn't the only one that was preaching the value of investing, being a good saver. That always takes, you know, it takes a household um, effort. You know, that's what I like to tell clients as well. So my mom had a huge influence on that, on that path that I decided to take as well. Nice. That's uh, that, that's awesome. And we, I'm going to ask you another question in the second segment here and everything about, um, you know, what you're doing right now with your clients and everything, but it's going to come back to your mom. Uh, Hopefully I won't forget, but, but uh, any, in any event. So, you know, you had all this influence from your family going into the financial services business. Mm -hmm. Have you, um, I mean, you're, you're young again. I'm assuming that you're just getting started yourself and you haven't even started your own family. Is that, is that fair? That's correct. Yep. Uh, Single guy in Toledo, no kids. Uh, So, uh, I am just getting started in the business here. I'm 25 years old. Uh, been an employee licensed advisor now, coming up on four years um, this upcoming June. Um, so I, uh, I I am still getting started here. Um, I kind of have a unique role. I'm sure we'll get more into that later in the podcast in terms of my business. But yeah, still, uh, you know, it, and it's it's amazing how much you learn, you know, almost every day in this in this business. And uh, and, and certainly, I'm still still learning as I always will be. But uh, yeah, I, I think considering the average age of an advisor in our building, probably, you know, upper 40s, early 50s, I'm, I'm still considered one of the young guys around here. Yeah, I can uh, I can definitely imagine that at, at, at 25, half of uh, half of our age, Tim. <laughs> so what? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's just it's a number. Just a number. We're ageless. I was actually I just watched a movie. I don't ever watch 
movies, but I will watch like documentaries and stuff to learn. But somehow I was like, I was, I was actually looking for some educational stuff earlier in the day on YouTube. Um, even though they banned me, that's a badge of honor. Um, my show. Um, and there's this movie called age of Adeline. Oh my goodness. <laughs> have you guys seen that? Dude, not. Christina would Dude, be you... laughing. Christina's going to be listening to this podcast and she's just going to start laughing because I've probably watched that movie 30 times. It's a great movie. I'm actually put it in my course material. I'm building a, I have a, uh, a, a, it's called lifestyle reset university. It's an online uh, train training for people that want to, you know, get their health back and their vitality and, and tap into spirit and just live a good, healthy life and all that stuff. And um, I'm going to put that in there because it's really interesting how this, this girl, how she came about not aging. And then, you know, I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but it's just, just, it's, it's pretty cool movie. It was a really, really interesting movie. And it just goes to show you, like, she just wasn't aging. So, you know, she was like 107 years old and she was like, you know, pretty much um, um, Ryan's age and she just wouldn't age. So, you know, she'd been, with some different fellas and then they get old and die or whatever, you know? And so she just stopped. Um, it really, what life really wasn't that fun for her anymore. Cause she's like, I know what's going to happen. They're just going to come and go. And then it's like, here I keep going, you know, nothing changes for me. Your daughter got really old and their daughter was like an old lady and, you know, still calling her mom and stuff. So I was like really turning that into, um, you know, cause the whole, th- I have a lot of people that follow me for anti-aging, right? So they want to, you know, be as healthy as possible and look young and live long. You know, a lot of people don't think we're going to die either. I, I, for some reason, people just think that's not going to happen to me. Um, but it's, it's a natural process. Like we're here for a short period of time and we're gone. And what I learned from that movie, my big takeaway was, is that to really enjoy that process. Yeah. It's great to be healthy while you're here, but n- at some point in time, we're going to take our last breath and our heart will stop beating. Right. And it's what, what you do between now and then. Um, that, that really matters. And, um, and, you know, living forever, it's not really the natural order of things. And the movie kind of points it out where it's like, she wasn't, she wasn't really as happy because it's again, out of balance with nature, like living forever is not how it works. Right. So, I mean, even though on a higher level, right, I'm just talking about the physical body on a higher level. Yeah. You, you know, creation doesn't make mistakes and you know, you can't, uh, we're going to exist somehow, some way in some form. But um, anyway, I just thought it was a really impactful movie, and I wanted to share that with the listeners and, and with you guys. So yeah. um, I think what we'll do now is we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll get into what Ryan's doing over there uh, to help people with their money. We'll be right back. Estate planning. What does that even mean? When the inevitable happens for everyone on this planet, your estate plan kicks into action. But first, let's start with what an estate is. An estate is simply everything you own. Now, here's the issue and what needs to be understood when this event occurs. You only have two choices on this plan. Number one, either you plan how your estate gets handed out and distributed to those you leave behind. Or number two, your state decides who gets everything you own. For the first time ever, you can now take complete and total control of this plan that you've been deprived of for most of your life and generations before you. You can get personalized assistance along the way with a team of specialists whose job it is to make sure you have true peace of mind. It's important to understand that estate planning is a journey and rest assured that our team will be available to you all along the way and at every step. Welcome to eState Plan 
home of the last estate plan you'll ever need. To learn more, make sure to reach out to your local advisor licensed with us or go to our website for more information. What's up, Enrichers? Tim James here. I'm back with my co-host, Carter Wilcox. And today in the house, we have Ryan Savage from Savage & Associates out of Ohio. So, Ryan, um, thanks for sharing your background, man. Um, It's really interesting. It's like, I don't, Carter, I don't know if we've had anybody that's like had, you know, dad been in the business and grandpa. So that's, that's really cool. That's Mm -hmm. really cool. Did you have any other, did you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I actually have an older brother. He's just wrapping up law school at Georgetown right now, making me look bad, right? I mean, what an overachiever over there. And then uh, I have, I have a, a, a few younger siblings as well. So this is where it gets a little, um, you know, atypical with my family spread. But yeah, uh, uh, my oldest sister's 14, two twin sisters that are 12. My youngest brother, little guy, uh, eight years old, graduates high school in 2033. So uh, we have quite the age gaps in our family, but uh, but I absolutely love it. Well, that's cool. Um, and I'm sure your dad's happy because, you know, you see this all the time where, you know, there's a family business and sometimes nobody wants it, right? Or maybe one does, or maybe they all want it. So mm-hmm. uh, who knows? Maybe your little brother will be following in your footsteps. You never oh, know. I, I certainly anticipate, if not one of them, multiple of them. Uh, getting their getting their feet wet and, and, and coming into this industry. Um, and certainly um, as we continue to grow, that'd be more than welcomed. Uh, would love would love to see that one day. It's really cool being part of that. Like the clients really appreciate it as well, um, that continuity within the family. It's it's uh, it makes you know the the work that we do with the every client we have in our practice seamless and uh, everyone really appreciates the the family nature of the business as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So well, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, one of the things I was talking about in the last segment that I wanted to make sure I didn't forget in this one was how close you were with your mom and how she was talking about, uh, you know, she wasn't the only one or your dad wasn't the only one talking about investments and everything. Mm-hmm. Typically speaking, right. Typically speaking, women tend to be a little bit more conservative in investing than men are. So I'm just wondering if she had any type of an influence one way or another with your own philosophy when it comes to investing. Wow. What a great question. And certainly that's something I've seen, um, you know, sitting down with couples, you know, in meetings and um, especially when, you know, when, when setting up, you know, going through a risk tolerance questionnaire or whatever it may be, there's always a push and a pull um, between the two partners and, uh, and, and oftentimes, if it's a joint account, trying to come to a decision with these different answers. But no, that's that's a great in terms of my own personal philosophy. Um, you know, I, I think I've really married the two um, in terms of and I think that's that's played out in terms of, you know, and we're always big proponents of, you know, you know, having a risk tolerance that's appropriate, given all the different considerations that go into it with the time horizon, your own personal risk preferences and whatnot. But. Yeah, as, as far as it, how it rubbed off on me, I think both their kind of person, I, I feel like I take on both of their personality traits, and that's certainly um, the case as well when it comes to individual investing. Nice. That's uh, that's awesome. So um, obviously your CFP, are, um, do you have some other securities license and life license and stuff? And does it run the whole gamut? Do you guys do basically everything under one roof there? Yeah, that's a great question. So I do have my Series 7, Series 66, 
and SIE. I passed that exam as well. So those are all under the securities umbrella. And then we have, uh, we're, we're licensed with uh, life and health insurance as well. Um, so we really do. I, and I think this is something that's unique about Savage is not only do I carry those licenses, but we have experts in all different types of areas where we're, we're able to deliver solutions for clients, you know, even if they have small businesses or any size businesses, solutions for all of their, we have employee benefits consultants that specialize in working with small businesses or mid-sized businesses, even larger businesses and um, all across the country. We have people that, um, we have a mortgage services department that helps, can help clients with uh, loan processing for any uh, mortgage loan that they're taking out. Um, we really just kind of spiderwebbed off into, and the firm did, and into all these different areas um, that, that surround, uh, you know, topics that could come up as a need in, in financial planning. So I think that is really something that's unique about the firm. Nice. So do you, um, what, what does your clientele look like? You said, you mentioned how you're sitting there talking about, you know, it, it, it sort of plays out, you know, whenever you got these joint accounts and everything, yeah. do you have a certain philosophy on when you're doing meetings with prospective clients that, uh, if they're married, everybody shows up the same time you come in together or, you know, what is, what is your, uh, you know, you being a young guy too, right? 25. What does the makeup of your practice look like? For you individually and then overall for the company? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me individually, what I really, you know, and I would say the main pipeline for me with, with prospects and clients is, is these next generation clients. So children of, of my dad, Sean's client clientele that, you know, we, we get referrals all the time. And, and this was really a big reason why I got into the business is, you know, as clients would ask him, hey, Sean, can you meet with my son or my daughter or even if they're a married couple, can you meet with them and help them out with their planning? And oftentimes he just didn't have the capacity to take them on. So we knew immediately, you know, with me stepping into the business that there was a need there for those, for that, that segment of, of, of clientele to be served. So that's, that's probably the main group that I work with. Um, I do work with a lot of young professionals in the Toledo area and, and all over the Midwest, um, as well as, um, I, I do work with an older advisor in the building, you know, he's, he's getting ready to retire, you know, next three to five years. And it's looking at, you know, kind of transitioning as clients um, to to more of an advisor managed approach. Um, and, and that's where I kind of step in. So my overall book, you know, I, I have clients that are 80 years old. I have clients that are 20 years old. But generally speaking, they're mainly, I would say, millennials. Um, is probably the main demographic that I work with that are that are typically the next generation clients. Nice. So, so you mentioned that you went straight from um, Michigan State University into working for Savage and Associates. Now, you ended in 2019, which happened to coincide with a little bit of history that took place in the last three years. What has that been like for you when you started your career, like right whenever the COVID? Uh, issues started happening for you as an advisor? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I was just reflecting on that the other day, just in terms of, you know, the three and a half to, you know, four years I've been in the business coming up in May here um, as, you know, as an advisor and just as an observer in the market, it's just been an, an historically atypical volatile time when it comes to stocks and bonds. So I think in that respect, it's been a really good learning experience for me to get um, real life, you know, kind of real world experience in terms of, you know, how to navigate those different environments with clients. Um, so if, if anything, I feel like having that experience under my belt at such an early age 
you know, whether that was in March, April, and May of 2020, you know, when things took a dive because, you know, of what happened with COVID or, you know, the historical returns we saw across all these different benchmarks in 2021. And then uh, the flip side of that in 2022 was stocks and bonds having a, having a generally speaking, a pretty rough year. Um, and then, uh, so that's, that's really, I think, it, it's exposed me to, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the realities of investing. And it's certainly, it's, it's been a good experience in terms of helping clients, you know, navigate those, those situations, because it can be pretty difficult. And oftentimes those are, those are tough conversations that, <clears throat> excuse me, have with people. Um, so I, I think having that under my belt, um, it, it really has given me a lot of confidence moving forward. It's not to say we've seen it all, but it's certainly been a, uh, an atypical four-year stretch if we look historically. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm curious on when you were, as you're growing your, your business, um, first of all, were you getting mainly referrals from others in the, um, at Savage and Associates, or were you going out there and beating the bushes for some of them yourself? That's a great question. So mainly referrals, and that kind of gets into my role within, within Savage. So I have my own practice that takes up a good portion of my time is working with those next generation clients, um, servicing any client I may have been referred to in the community, um, you know, or working with, you know, the, on the succession um, planning with the older advisor and doing that transition there. Um, I also, a big chunk of my time is taken up, you know, within the work I do within Sean's practice, my dad, um, I handle, I, I do a lot of trade generation um, for our portfolios we oversee for clients. So preparing trades, um, shooting those off to Sean to, for his review, um, as well as, you know, analysis when he's, you know, having a client, um, you know, a client meeting and he wants some analysis done on holdings they have elsewhere. That's work I'm doing. Um, and, and, and all marketing that's related to his practice, I'm the point person on that. Um, so that takes up a good chunk of my time. Uh, I really wear a lot of hats within his practice. We run a pretty lean ship. Um, for the amount of households that we have on board here. Um, so everyone within our team is pretty versatile. And, uh, and and that's really how a lot of my time spent, not only on my own practice with my own clients, but also working within Sean's team as well. So it's kind of an atypical kind of hybrid model um, if, if you look at it that way. Nice. So I am curious, because you mentioned you had some 80-year-olds that you work with, right? And in the last three and a half years, how much have virtual meetings become commonplace for you versus in uh, in office meetings? That's a that's a great question. I would say um, it, comparing pre pandemic versus post pandemic, um, there's just been uh, in terms of virtual Zoom phone conferences, those have really taken off as, as the primary way that we meet with clients. And you know, we had no choice but to adapt during COVID with that, especially with our older clients who at that time had a lot of worry on their minds with, you know, you know, any type of in-person contact. Um, so that having them, you know, at really being forced to be comfortable with the phone conference, comfortable with the Zoom meeting, um, and then us, you know, really integrating that seamlessly into our practice, that's something we've, we've really tried hard to carry forward um, as far as options for clients meeting. Um, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of businesses, a lot of advisors, you know, there was a lot to learn from from the time we spent in COVID in terms of practice management. And I, I and, and what I've seen, it, you know, with, with some advisors is going back to kind of some less efficient ways to get things done that 
were a habit prior to the pandemic, then reverting back to that um, since we've kind of gotten out of that scary time. And what we've done is try to try to build off of the efficiencies that were gained as far as practice management, meeting um, selection goes uh, moving forward. So that's kind of that we, we've definitely seen more of a transition to a, to a more virtual based model um, since the pandemic. Yeah. So speaking of adapting, you guys had to adapt quickly, but obviously your clientele, they had to get, you know, adapt to that as well. Was there some challenges inherently from that? Oh, no doubt. You know, you know, at least for Sean's clientele, right? Average age of his clients, I think, you know, is somewhere in the 60s. So those people aren't going to be the demographic you point to as, 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 as people that are, generally speaking, um, adapt with, you know, adopting new ways of getting things done with technology. So that was definitely a little bit of a hurdle, you know, and even to go into our own practice management, you know, electronic signature of paperwork became a big thing then, um, you know, but what we've done is try to try to make it as simple as possible. This is what we try to do across the board, make it as simple as possible for those clients. Um, you know, and, and, and we, we found that, you know, you think it would be more of a struggle than it actually was for them to transition to those models um, just because of, uh, you know, our communication on that front and um, really how simple it, it, it ultimately is. So, um, but it, it certainly was challenging at the beginning when we had to, he had to really adapt very quickly. Yeah. So, um, just out of curiosity, your 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 dad, how how active is he now compared to what he was like whenever you were growing up, when you were, you know, a young boy and he was growing the business? How active is he today? Oh, he's even more active than he was uh, back then. He's I, I like to think of him as the energizer bunny. Um, he really uh, just goes full throttle ahead with, with all ventures, you know, in, within the practice. Uh, we're, we've been growing at an accelerating rate in terms of the number of households we've been onboarding, um, you know, the number of clients we've been serving. And then his, his rate of work through the community has really stood out as well. He just, he's on a number of different boards in the area. Um, a cool project he took on, I'll keep this very brief, during the pandemic was he headed up this effort called the V Project in Toledo, which was really an effort uh, that, that brought together a number of different business leaders in the community to uh, raise awareness and try to raise funding to get vaccines, vaccine awareness out there within the community and uh, deliver those vaccines to, uh, you know, areas, you know, within the 419, that's our area code that had a, you know, you know, maybe it was more challenging for those different types of areas to get out and get a vaccine. So he headed up that project, which I would say during the height of the pandemic took up about five to 10 hours a week uh, on top of, you know, with everything going on with the markets at that time. So he really has a relentless work ethic and set a really good example for me on um, how to make an impact on the community and how to run a practice very efficiently. So you mentioned that he's on a lot of different boards. Like, mm -hmm. is, is that something that you are uh, looking as, as a, as a part of what you're going to incorporate at some point in the future, or is that something that was by design that, he started getting on some of these boards and sometimes that's where a lot of business can come from. Oh, absolutely. The two are intertwined, right? The more, the more you're involved in the community, the more referrals you get. I've, I've really found that at least, you know, financial advising and it's really a grassroots business. So the, the more you can be out there, the more positive impact you can make in the community, um, the better, but you know, I know that's not the reason he does it. And, and also not the reason I do it. I, I serve on the Toledo police foundation board um, in the area and, 
that's really stems from a, a pride to, to be involved in that effort of, of strengthening ties between the police um, and the community while also getting resources to the police that they need um, in forms of, you know, one of the projects we just took on was, um, you know, fundraising to get them some new gym, gym equipment, for instance. So um, that, that really stems, though, from a love of, of Toledo, um, the area in general, and trying to make Toledo a better place. And that's something that is uh, woven throughout the fabric of our business. And that all started with my, my grandpa, John. Um, he was so active in the community. And uh, even though, you know, he passed, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to meet him. He passed from leukemia back in 1993. His legacy is, is still as strong as ever um, sitting here, you know, 30 years later. Um, so I, I think he instilled that in, in Sean, my dad, and that's that's instilled throughout our company as well as being is giving back to the community. Well, that's really cool that you are working with the police department and helping them uh, make sure they have exercise equipment because, you know, they use their bodies on a daily basis and they definitely need to take care of them. So we're going to take a quick break and when we get back. We're going to talk more about exercise equipment or who whatever else comes up when we flip the script and uh, and uh, Ryan can ask me any question on health. We'll be right back. the absolute best for yourself and you want it to be easy that's why we created green 85 it helps with detoxifying the body gently we're proud it's chemical free unlike almost all other supplements you'll find bottom line green 85 will get you healthier we look forward to hearing what green 85 did for you To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Enrichers? Tim James here with my co-host, Carter Wilcoxon. We're back. And Ryan, this is the point in the, in the time-space reality we call life where you get to ask me any question about health. Go for yes, it. I'm, I've been, been excited for this segment of the pod. So um, just just to dive into it, Tim, I know you, um, you know, have a wealth of knowledge in this, you know, in the health area as it relates to all things, you know, exercise, supplement related, you know, lifestyle, diet. What initially sparked your interest in forming chemical free body? Oh, man, this is a, this is a great question. Well, yeah, I actually had already, you know, I had been. At that point in time, I'd already had 5,500 people to my home that I've taught detox nutrition classes. We made fresh juices, wheatgrass juice, then a green juice. They drink that while I was, that was the first thing they did. They come in, we'd make the juice, and then I'd set them down and they're drinking, you know, we do the shot of wheatgrass. So we'd all do shots, right? <laughs> Just a different kind of shot. And then we'd sit down, they'd sit down and, and drink a green juice and then listen to me talk for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And I would do a class and then I'd take them back into the kitchen and then show them how to make a healthy meal. And then we'd all basically break bread together and hang out and talk. And sometimes people would stay later and stuff like that. We actually started a company called the Sprout Company. I can't remember when. And we were um, growing sprouts in our garage because a lot of these people were cancer patients. And, you know, wheatgrass therapy is very powerful. Drinking it, um, wheatgrass um, orally, also rectal implants. Um, it's done daily at the Hippocrates Health Institute um, for many reasons. I mean, I... I can't just throw out rectal implant and not throw a little bit of information there because people think I'm nuts and or think it's crazy. But 
the gal who started the Hippocrates and Wigmore healed herself of stage four colon cancer with grass juice. And she would drink it orally and put it rectally because she had colon cancer. And, you know, um, cancer is anaerobic. It, it doesn't live in an oxygenated environment. And one of the byproducts of plants is oxygen. Plants need um, carbon. So this is, uh, they really need carbon really bad. So I, I could digress and go off on this whole carbon thing, but um, like plants need it. Like <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of an important point, but um, anyway, so she put, she, and she also made poultices and put the wheatgrass juice over her cancer, over the tumor, and she heals herself um, back in the late fifties, early sixties. And uh, that's, and they, they're still doing it today because it's a very profound uh, treatment. So anyway, so I'm doing these classes and stuff. Um, I was going to grow um, this sprout company. I was going to grow it up and start delivering sprouts on the West coast and all over the place. And the problem was, is that I met somebody who had been doing it and they had a large operation out of California and they were delivering all the way up through Canada for Jamba juices and stuff like that. And he said, you know, you, you go into a restaurant and the inspectors give you an A, a B, C, C minus D rating or whatever. You can get a C rating in a restaurant and the restaurant's still open for business. And, um, but if you get a, you have for a sprout growing operation, you have to have an A, otherwise they shut you down and they're always trying to shut you down. And it's because this is one of the most powerful medicines on the planet. And, um, it's literally loaded with biophotons, hormones, oxygen, phytochemicals, and enzymes. And these living foods, again, one of the cheapest, most powerful forms of food on the planet and medicine because it's, it's from nature. And, um, we have been disconnected from that. And when you heat it, cook it pasteurize it irradiate it and do these things you wipe out almost all of those nutrients very quickly so when i realized that it was very difficult to deliver this stuff uh, even locally because it was very perishable i was just I, I was fanatical about it i'm like i wanted to deliver deliver living nutrition to people but um, what i found out was is only one out of ten would stick with it anyway and the rest of people wanted something simpler and easier so I met them where they're at and we created chemical free body and we started making, uh, we brought on Dr. Scott Treadway, our formulator today. And, um, and we've been making detox and nutrition products at the highest quality, absolutely possible to the nth degree because all this stuff goes into me. And that's, that's kind of how I got started. So we shifted gears and we became an educational company. And then we started off with like that product right there, green 85, which is basically as close as you're going to get to a fresh pressed juice, it replaces the 85% of nutrients missing in the soil. And you can just put it in the scoop, shake it up in water, drink it in the morning, do it again in the afternoon, about half an hour before dinner, and your life will start changing. Because it's not magic. It's just replacing the magic that was natural in nature that you're disconnected from. And we made it very convenient for people. And since then, we've rolled out all kinds of products, detox, heavy metal detox, gut clean, you know, things that clean your digestive tract, silver products, um, all kinds of cool stuff. So, and then we've built it on appliances like the saunas and stuff like that. So that's how we kind of got started. Fascinating. Uh, I think the main thing that stood out, right, making things simple and easy. That's something I try to do in my business. And I think it's certainly a lot, uh, something, you know, a lot of people look for in the health space as well. So kind of bridging off of that, um, that question, if you could give any advice to someone looking to take the first step towards living a healthier life, you know, what would it be? Carter, answer that. <laughs> well, you got to get your water right, first and foremost. Oh, before that. But, but the most important thing, the most important first step is you've got to make your health a priority. You have to there prioritize you your own health. 
Yeah. So when somebody's thinking about changing their health, it has to be more than just like, well, I you know, God dang it, my I can't snap my pants. I got to lose a few pounds, or you know, um, you know, just the weight loss stuff, or I got to get healthy. You know, it's like I got it, I got it. Like it's a like it's a chore. Um, you know, making your health a priority and getting really serious about this. And I think, um, especially the people that are, you know, religious that follow God, whatever that is to you. Um, I think that's great. I, that people have a spiritual practice. Um, if, if God have made this suit for you to wear around and get to do things with, and you don't honor it, you're basically slapping God in the face. That's the way I look at it. You're slapping creation in the face when you've been given, this dynamic, unbelievable gift that has the power of the universe locked inside of it. We don't even know how it works. We, we, we have all these scientists today that are very brilliant people, but nobody can make an apple from scratch. You know, only nature does that. And that intelligence is inside of us. So just understanding the value. I mean, even, oh, geez. Okay, here we go. We're probably, you guys are all, well, you're, you're an insurance license too, right? Yes. Yep. Life and health. Okay, so your insurance license, let's say, um, and your brother's an attorney. So let's say, you know, you're you're riding down the street in a bicycle, and some guy shoves a, a shoves a, a little knife in your eye, and you lose your eye, and tries to steal your money, and you take him to court. How much are you going to win in that settlement? Man, I think I would have a pretty strong case. <laughs> Right. Now, if the guy had any money, which he probably doesn't, but if he did, it'd be millions, right? Yeah. Million, two million, lose an eye. Sure. So add it up, add up the parts on the body just in our, in our society uh, with like the current legal system, millions, your body's worth millions and millions of dollars, organs, yeah. all these things. And it's, it's far beyond that. It's priceless. Mm -hmm. It's priceless. Your health is priceless. So when you have something so, which is such a gift, this body, this vehicle that is such an absolute gift, it's you, you have to, you have to honor it. You have to take care of it. And a lot of this, I will let a lot of people off the hook. I'm a pretty good person and I grew up with great family, parents, do what's right, avoid what's wrong. Don't lie. Your, your handshake is everything. And I believe in all that stuff, but I was led astray because I'm going into the grocery stores and I'm eating poison 24 seven and it tastes real good and I'm addicted to it. And when I got to age 37, um, I started, you know, falling apart physically, like literally. And then that leads to when your physical health goes down the tube. You know, if you want to be a good husband and you have poor physical health, you're a crappier husband than you could have been. Because your physical health is dragging down your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids. You can't play. Some, some guys I meet, they can't even play with their kids because they're too tired after school to even play catch with their son. I mean, that's like a magical moment thing. You need to be doing that as much as possible, right? If you don't have your health, you're not going to be able to make as good financial decisions. You won't attract as many people in your business as well either because you'll have a low vibrational frequency. You know, so everything is connected to you. And so for me, um, it's really important to really take care of yourself, make your health a priority, but really get serious about it and really understand the value of what you possess, this, um, this vehicle that you've been given. Yeah, well, and, and just to touch on that point a little bit, and we've talked about this in many podcasts, and, uh, and Richard, thanks again for joining us for uh, this episode. Um, we have this saying that I stole this from Tim. I use it all the time myself now, right? The wealthy man wants everything. The sick man just wants one thing.
I love that quote as well. I've heard that before. It certainly rings yeah. true. Confucius, if anybody wants to look it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there you go. So anyway, I just wanted to touch on that because, um, you know, Tim said something. It was probably six uh, months ago, you know, episode 40, 50, whatever it was, right? And he talked about prioritizing your health. And I thought to myself, I'm not prioritizing that. That's absolutely not what I'm I'm doing it like it's a chore as opposed to it's a, it's a benefit, right? And it's, and it's enjoyable. And, um, you know, me and my wife, we do a lot of demonstrating love. Yeah. Is what it is. You're demonstrating that you actually love yourself. When you see, I'm just going to throw this out there. No offense to anybody. Um, but when you see somebody smoking cigarettes, it's a form of self-loathing. When you see somebody that's, you know, three, 400 pounds, deep down inside they're hating on themselves and they're using the cigarette or the food or the cocaine or the sex or whatever it is. These are hiding places from, cause they just, they don't know how to be happy. I mean, deep down inside, you know, when, when everybody was born a little baby, we were just perfect, but then society and parents start chiseling away in a lot of cases. You're, you're a boy, you are blue, you're a girl, you were pink, you're a Jew, you're a Christian. And here comes, and then, we get molded we get and then when these shrouds go up we try to protect you know stay out of the dirt stay out of the dirt well you should be in the dirt like that's where the bacteria are like that's where you need to be but all good intentions aside you know i think we really need to get back to nature we need to get back to understanding that we are nothing but unconditional love and and um and then people will stop and that's where we try to help people man we try to help people realize their potential and realize their value and understand that you are valuable and creation doesn't make mistakes. And if, if you're here, you're here for a freaking reason. What is it? Let's discover it and let's get busy. Well, you're one, one in 400 trillion, I believe are the odds of being here. Something like that. Yeah. That sounds about right. And that's something I try to incorporate in my own life too. I'm very big on exercise. I, I like to lift weights. I've been doing that now about, you know, going on six years here. And I recently picked up uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu about three or four mm-hmm. months ago. So that's really, I, I, I am big on prioritizing that within my own life. And it, hey, anytime I exercise, I always feel reinvigorated after. So not only trying to watch what you eat, make sure you're taking the right supplements, which this kind of bridges into my next question for you, Tim, is there's, there's I think with social media and the internet now more differing and conflicting opinions on, you know, supplements, lifestyle, diet than ever before, you know, how do you recommend people find the right approach for them? Because there really is no one size fits all fits all approach um, to, to health, just like that there isn't for uh, for uh, delivering financial advice to people. So how, how do you recommend people uh, navigate that? Well, that's, you know, it's to us, it's really simple. Um, you know, you'll see people, it's like, well, you have to, I do paleo or I'm keto. Mm-hmm. Or I did, you know, I'm doing the Mediterranean diet, or I did the Atkins diet, or I did the Hollywood diet, or the, you know, they get these these things. All that stuff is very, to me, I just look at stuff that works. So what we do is we help people build their stack, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is we're what is the what is the stack of daily activities and the supplementation and you know the the meditation and the breath work or whatever it is. What's the stack that works for you? That's what it boils down to. And until you have first-person experience, you don't know. So if you were to hire me as a coach, um, you would we would, we would you would set some goals in the goal sheet. We would meet. We'd go over this stuff, and we would start setting up your structure. We would set up um, 
uh, like to have a good morning, we, we set up your nighttime routine. That's the first thing we set up. Then we set up your morning routine. And then we go from there, right? And and then every time we talk, every two weeks we're going to talk, we're going to review what, what was assigned to you, how it went, how your body felt, how your body responded, and the things that work for you we keep. And if they don't work for you, we pitch them. Maybe they'll work later. And we just keep adding and adding and adding to that stack. And eventually we stack the, the uh, cards in the deck of health up high enough that you boost your immune system up high enough that all of a sudden you win. And what I mean by that is you're winning the whole time, but like half the people we're dealing with, I mean, they've got life-threatening diseases and stuff that we're working with, right? So we just keep building up the stack, building up the stack, building up the stack. I'm still doing it. I've been at this for 12 years. And every time I think I can't literally feel better, I, I find something else. And I add that to my stack. So that's what we're about. We're about personalized, precision, um, uh, I would say lifestyle strategies. Um, that work for the individual. Now, of course, there are fundamental things that work for pretty much everybody, and that's where I try to spend most of my time and the stuff that's going to knock it out of the park 98% of the time for people. But sometimes, you know, even our like our number two selling product, Gut Detox, that formula has been around for thousands of years. It, it is a absolute home run. Everybody loves it. It'll actually clean out your – average person, Ryan's got about 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material in the colon. Wow. And, and, you know, um, that's average, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people should probably get a colon hydrotherapy session and get that crap out of there, like literally, but a lot of people won't. So we developed, well, we got a hold of that product and, and, um, and we give it to people and they, they buy it and they use it in 15 days. They can gently get that stuff out of there without diarrhea and it doesn't kill their good bacteria in their gut. So, that's, you know, but guess what? 2% of the people it might not work for. Mm -hmm. it, it might just, well, it didn't work for me or, and then a very, 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 very small percent of people, it does the exact opposite effect. It plugs them up, right? There are some, you know, there's people out there that drink coffee and they get sleepy. <laughs> I did not. There is. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. There's some things affect different people, different ways. We're all individual. We're all different. So again, what we believe over here is not, one diet or one thing it's like here's what's working for us now and what's worked for other people that we're coaching now and it might work for you go try it if it works for you keep it if it doesn't pitch it and won't we'll try this try this try this and we build we believe in building your stack your your stack of healthy lifestyle habits that's what we believe i see that's that's awesome and then as far as you know just like you know with with delivering financial advice you know planning for a client you know, regular follow-up is, is always necessary to make sure they stay on their goals. People's situations are ever-evolving. So you want to make sure the advice you're delivering them evolves with their changing situation. So with anyone you work with, you know, what's what's the follow-up process like to make sure that, you know, that, that you're meeting all of their needs and that they're, they're staying on, on the stack that, that you have set for them? Well, what we do is um, uh, a couple of things. We communicate through email. We communicate through text, SMS. Um, I also do a podcast, which I release once a week. So that's kind of where the growth is happening. And that's a free platform. People can, wherever you tune in, you just, our clients, we have thousands of people that tune into that show. It's behind me, the health hero show. And, um, and I've, every once in a while, I'll be like, Hey, if anybody's like, you know, had any good results on the products or heard anything on this show that's helped them, that's moved the needle for their health or both, we'd like to hear from you. 
every time I throw that out there or somebody listens to an old episode where I said that, we get all these emails coming in. And I mean, there's massive change happening. I've, I've seen people that were down and out. They've told me their stories. And now they've took that information on the, on the, on the podcast, which is free, started taking action on their own and completely not only healed themselves, but are now a health coach. They have a full-blown health coaching practice. They completely transformed life. There was a CPA in New York who's now a breath and meditation coach. And if he's listening, I'm so proud of everybody that's doing all this stuff. And again, it's not me. I'm just following my highest excitement. What I've noticed is when I get inspired when I'm around other people that are following their highest excitement. Every time I get around my guitar instructor, Jeremiah, I'm jaw-hanging. Just, you know, like what instrument can't he play perfectly amazingly? He's like freaking Beethoven. You know what I mean? That inspires me to want to be a better musician, a better person. Just that's where I think we all need to get to is like I said, creation doesn't make mistakes. Everybody has unique gifts and talents and whatever that feeling of joy and excitement is that you have the best ability to take action on. That's what you should be doing. And it doesn't have to be a career thing. And it can be going for a walk, hanging out with your mom, calling your dad on the phone, just checking in, checking in on your brother, maybe calling somebody that you had a falling out with and just saying, Drop the ego. Hey, what's up? Uh, I haven't called you forever, but uh, you haven't called me either. So, hey, I missed you, you know, and check in and not worrying about what they're going to say or what, you know, or what the future is going to bring. Just if that's what excites you, do that. And the more you follow that thread of excitement, the more happier you're going to be and the more you're going to raise your vibrational frequency. And then as you take action, the world, the universe will reflect back more of what you're truly looking for because you're putting those vibes out. Another question I had for you was, you know, what's the number one thing that average American consumes, you know, whether it's a food or a drink that you think is responsible for, you know, people, people really across the board having issues with their gut health, you know, coffee comes to mind for me. I know there's a lot of different types of coffee um, these days, but, uh, you know, in terms of what people put in that, but, uh, you know, it's, what, what's something that you, you think is the number one thing that, that most people have integrated in their daily life that can negatively impact their gut health? Uh, I'd just probably say wheat and dairy, those two products. Okay. The wheat, And again, I'm not talking about you know heirloom wheat that was grown back in the Egyptian times, but we're talking about genetically modified wheat, spliced hybrid wheat. Um, these things are gut destroyers. They absolutely just literally destroy your gut, and there's so many... And I, we just seen people, you know, as soon as they get off, you know, uh, off of, and it, it, you're getting off of things that are not natural. That's what it boils down to. Whatever is natural, that seems to work better, right? A natural, I mean, you can even look at the, like, if you see a, an heirloom hard red winter wheat seed, they're very tiny. They're little. But if you see some of the hybrid ones, they're huge, right? And, you know, they have, um, Besides gluten, and they have these gliden proteins. I have a whole episode. I had uh, Dr. Um, William Davis on uh, who wrote the book, The Wheat Belly. That would be a good episode of mine to go back and listen to. If you listen to that episode and you eat wheat that has been modified from nature after that, you're basically suicidal, right? And they put it in everything. It's in all the breads and the pastries and noodles and pastas and all the things that we've – a lot of people have, like me, grown up with, lasagnas and stuff like that. And it's just a slow kill. It's just – Every day, just slowly killing you and aging you and destroying and wrecking your quality of life and setting you up for, you know, huge hospital bills down the road and a lot of pain and suffering. I mean, that's the reality of what this stuff is doing. And then dairy, I mean, I guess yes for one, but the other one is dairy products. They're just, you know, I mean, I've talked about it before. The purpose of dairy in nature is for a baby cow. 
and only for a short period of time. And then the baby cow weans and then it goes and eats grass. So why do humans drink the breast secretions of another species? And especially when we're an adult. I mean, it, it literally, if you actually stop for a moment and think about it, it literally makes zero sense. If you get into it, you'll find out that we don't have a substance in our stomach called renin that actually breaks down those proteins uh, that are in dairy. Um, only baby cows have renin. So if we don't have the substance to break it down, what happens? Well, um, one of them, the casein, which is the main protein, it causes cancer in humans. And we drink it. It's like, it's just like, but I grew up doing it. And Michael Jordan had a milk mustache and so did Shaq and, you know, all these sports figures when I was a kid. And it's it's still in the grade schools today. And it's like, yeah, well, they were paid a shitload of money to put that mustache on. I don't know if they actually believe in it or not. Maybe they do. I believed it at one point. I was drinking tons of milk because it does a body good, right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't do a body good. It, it's, it's, it's pain and suffering. That's what it really is. So, you know, maybe in the little house in the prairie days, if my child, you know, my, my wife got sick and couldn't breastfeed and there was a cow out there, I think I'd probably come up with that as a viable conclusion. But other than that, I, you know, it's just nowadays it doesn't really make any sense if you actually pause for a moment and think. But I think those have been some really good questions. Um, I think uh, I really appreciate you coming on today, Ryan. And uh, Carter, yeah. let you wrap up, bud. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me. Um, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Hey, Richards, uh, it, it's been a pleasure having you on, listening to our phenomenal guest today, Ryan Savage of Savage & Associates, CFP and um, uh, extraordinaire financial planner out there in, is it Mommy, Ohio? It's, it sounds weird saying Mommy. Yeah, <laughs> locals have a tough time with it. It's Mommy. Uh, Mommy, Ohio is the, Mommy. Is the pronunciation. Okay. But, yep, Mommy, yep. okay, we'll get that. Okay, we will get that. Mommy, Ohio. Um, hey, for all of our previous guests, you can go to our website at www.thehealthandwealthpodcastshow.com and make sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Podbean, whatever the case may be. So for my phenomenal co-host and chemical-free body himself, Mr. Tim James, I am Carter Wilcoxon, CEO and founder of CSI Financial Group. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast Show. Ryan, again, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your backstory with us, your entire legacy and your lineage. And we're looking forward to be able to hear more about how your progress goes uh, going forward. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. Hey, Enrichers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Health and Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Wilcoxon. And I'm your host, Tim James. And by God, we are committed to helping you guys have fat wallets, flat bellies. So tune in again for another episode and make sure to like, share, and drink a lot of water. Or beer. You have just listened to the Health and Wealth Podcast with Carter and Tim.